Hey guys, this is Chris Bercher of Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, and this is episode 57, Multiple Personalities. Now, it's not exactly probably what you're thinking about when it comes to multiple personalities, but bear with me for a minute. We've been talking about the R versus should problem, uh, where I introduced the idea that people tend to struggle with the person who they are, the person that you're born with, the person that you're sort of meant to be. And then the person that society and family and community and the law and school teaches us the person that we we should be. So it's the struggle between the person that you are and the the person that you feel like you should be. And then we talked a little bit about taking your personal inventory, learning a little bit more about yourself and trying to tease apart what I called hard and soft reality. So these, these physical things that we can measure. And then these sort of touchy-feely things that are more about who we are. And then if we can put all this stuff out on the table and try to understand which parts of these come from our real person, our real self, our real true self, and which ones have been taught to us, maybe we disagree with. And then we can sort of start over and throw out the bad stuff and and, and get better with the good stuff. And I, I, I'd spend an episode talking about some examples from my personal life and just general examples that I think affect a lot of people. Then I introduced the idea of your, the bully and your DNA, and the bully is sort of the should and how these shoulds in our lives sort of beat us up and, and, and seek to sort of quiet down the R and, and sort of make you into a, a good citizen, a model citizen, a good son, and you know uh, be seen and not heard and do all these things that our parents and the rest of the world teaches us that we're supposed to be, and how, how we sort of beat ourselves up with those things and that our DNA really describes and defines the the R part and who we are and how we need to express that, how our DNA was meant to be expressed into the world. And we'll get more into that uh, in the future. And then the last episode, I talked about the idea of domestication and how the, this, this process sort of builds in the should, you know, that we're born as, as 100% R and then as we grow up, in our familial units, we're taught to do different things, and this can be thought of as a process of domestication. And that term comes from Don Miguel Ruiz and his books, uh, the, the sort of the, the general Toltec uh, way of thinking. But Don Miguel Ruiz, his most famous book is The Four Agreements. Now, this week, I'd say multiple personalities. What I really mean is that this domestication, the results of the process, as we, as we age from a, you know, the stages I talked about last week from being an infant to sort of a young adolescent to a teenager to a young adult to a middle-aged person to an older person, we we take on new roles and really new personalities or little subparts of our personalities because of these should elements. Now think about what that means is that you know, domestication, the process can be thought of as like it's installing software on a computer, you, that had a perfectly good operating system already, the R. The R is perfectly fine by itself. Uh, and now now the world, you know, yo soy yo, imi circumstancia, you need to get along in the world. And so necessarily you will need to learn some things and you will need to go through a process of domestication. But how severe that is, the degree to which we let the world or we are change, let the world change us or are changed by the world has become so exaggerated to the point where we're looking at social media to figure out how we're supposed to look. And rather than be this very diverse group of individuals all collaborating and cooperating for the greater good, 
what we're becoming is more and more alike by continually comparing ourselves. Yet inside, and that's on the outside, but on the inside, we're struggling with these multiple personalities that are confusing and and create cognitive dissonance and, and lead to anxiety and depression and 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 suffering and struggle. And so the 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 disjunct, the disagreement between who you are and who you feel like you should be is a real problem. And it's easy to see why if you think about the results of domestication being these multiple personalities. They're confusing <laughs> at the very least. Now, again, I say this a lot. I don't want to diminish those people who are truly suffering with the psychological um, I don't want to say I don't the disease is the right word, but 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 but, but a real biological mind problem of multiple personalities or schizophrenia or something like that. I'm using that phraseology, that terminology as a metaphor to describe what Richard Schwartz has described as our parts in his um, sort of groundbreaking 15 to 20 year old psychological research. He has suggested um, there is this phenomenon called internal, he calls internal family systems where we as individuals are made up of these multiple personalities that represent often traumatic events of our childhood that are the result of the domestication process. Times where we were doing something, you know, whimsically enjoying ourselves out on the playground, and maybe in this case it was a young boy playing uh, with unicorn castles and dolls, and his dad came up and said, boys don't play with dolls. And that little kid is so confused because he's in the middle of his R, and somebody comes up and sh- shoots him in a very mean and scary way. And he has this moment of confusion of well, who am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be this little boy? Or am I supposed to be this little boy? And so, the, you know, that becomes a part of you that you carry with you for the rest of your life because of the severity of the event. And we have lots of these things and they can be dealt with. And that's a whole, whole field of study that I won't go into right now. Um, and so what gets me about this is those shoulds. Go beyond the golden rule, which I talked about. We all know there are some basic tenets and fundamental laws, rules, whatever, that we need to live by that makes it better. It makes it better, life better for us as individuals. I, again, I mentioned sort of like the Bill of Rights. We can think about it as this very short, or the Ten Commandments, you know, the same sort of thing. And as far as I can get with it is we should treat people how we want to be treated, assuming that we all want to be treated with kindness and you know thoughtfulness and equality and equanimity and and just sort of the general rules of living together it shouldn't be that hard to come up with a short list i fundamentally believe that's four or five things long that's enough but what we've done is we keep adding and adding and adding and and and, and generally that's because somebody breaks one of the four or five basic rules you know, I'm, re- I'm reading a book. I was just reading a book. I think it was called Radical uh, Acceptance or Radical Persistence or something like that. And he describes the author. I think it might be a woman, actually, described a scenario where you and the rest of the people on the planet are in line for a buffet and you're first. And you have a general idea about how many people are behind you. And you can generally estimate about what your portion size should be. Do you get your portion size or do you get more? 
because you're afraid of the future or da, 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 for whatever reason you think you need to get more. Well, the first person basically that takes more in that line screws the whole system up and creates the need for all of these new algorithms. Oh, oh, we've got a, we've got a, you know, a deviant in sector 4A. Beep, beep, beep. We've got to come up with a new set of rules to describe this. Okay, we need another rule. Now it's not five or six rules. It's a couple hundred rules. And that's not enough because somebody else screws that system up. And there are those out there who will argue that humans are just flawed and they're bad. And that's why, you know, Eve ate the apple and screwed everything up. And that's just how it is. And we're bad people. And it's always going to happen. And we need millions of rules to keep us in line. Well, I don't think that's true. (laughs) I don't think that was initially true. I think we've grown to that point. You know, I think... There is a utopian existence, and it may be vastly different. There might be all kinds of subtext here that I'm not going to get to, where people will make the right choice and they'll make the right decision. If people feel safe, if people get their needs met, if they have enough food, if they trust each other, then we will do the right things. And, the, and, and that list is very short. And then when somebody deviates from those rules, you have a system to sort of deal with that. And this, the, the, the way you deal with it is not to pile on new algorithms and new rules and create new patterns of predictability and, and another personality consider that I think like the war on drugs, <laughs> I believe that method of regulating human progress is failed because again, the R versus should problem tells me we're doing it wrong. It's like, I, it's like I, I, I need to formulate this idea, but I'll, I'll introduce it here quickly and hopefully it won't be a tangent. If, if we really believe in a way of living that, and we think it's right, then, and we're living that way of living, then we should basically have no problems, no complaints, and no flaws. And if we do have complaints or problems and flaws, then we probably don't have the right system. And so for people touting or, or, or arguing against me and saying, no, our world is at a perfect place and Christianity is, describes the right way to live and all these things, well, the evidence to me against that argument is that there are problems. If there aren't problems, then maybe we have figured it out. But I would say with things like anxiety, depression, income inequality, racism, um, you know, gender inequality, all of the things that we're faced with, we made a whole lot of mistakes that have been compounded and are getting worse, which tells me we're doing it wrong. <laughs> and so here's all I'm saying is here's an, here's maybe a potential explanation and maybe an alternate alternative path to consider to correct some of these problems. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Um, and, and again, those can be considered an algorithm. Those can be considered a pattern you know, I'm saying they're multiple personalities, but really they're just subsets of our of our person that are acting. And, and I think that's the result of the R versus should problem is you have this person who maybe thinks it, they like playing with dolls and unicorns or simply don't discriminate among gender-based toys and you're cool with that. But then somebody comes up to you and tells you that's not the right way to be. You've got to explain that, deal with that. You've it's created stress. It's created a fear. It's created a negative reaction that you fundamentally want to go away. And so how do you make that go away? Well, you create a new little belief system and an explanation of why that is on your own because you weren't given any information besides you're wrong. 
And you believe that because it's told to you by something, somebody that's important to you, that has influence over you, your father or uncle or somebody important in your life, a caregiver. And so it carries a heavy weight. So how do you make that go away? Well, it'd be nice if you could sit that person down and have a conversation with him. What? Why, Father, <laughs> did you tell me not to play? And then it would come out, well, I don't want the other boys to beat up on you and think you're a sissy. Or whatever, uh, and then that conversation could happen. And then, and then maybe that everything goes out the window, and you don't need to develop a protective mechanism. But that's not how we do things. We don't have effective uh, c- communication and understanding of one another. And in the lack of communication and understanding, you have to create explanations. We can't just let go of things. We can't just say. Um, um, you know, my car won't start. Oh, well, I'll just walk. You know, you have to solve that problem in order to maintain the status quo. So if this little boy to continue his whimsical, playful self and live in that space and, 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 and you know, and, and honor his DNA and his R and live in his and, and do the things that a person, human being needs to do, then he's got to figure out a way to, 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 to deal with this impediment that has been introduced into his life. And, and this is how we do it. And my, my, you know, what Richard Schwartz has said and what other people have said is we create these, these belief systems, right? I've talked about how many episodes have I talked about limiting beliefs and, and mindset. You know, these are things we create in our head that allow us to absorb the speed bump and continue along our path. The problem is we carry with us those mechanisms. That scar tissue, if you will, becomes an inherent part of our personality. And the next time we're playing with a doll and we go, oh, I wonder if anybody's watching. Now it's creating a habit. And then maybe you'd stop doing that altogether. And then maybe even you you want to impress your, your dad and tell the world that you're not like that. And so you start picking on other boys that are doing the same sort of thing. And then you perpetuate the problem. I don't think it's hard to come up with examples and show how this is the way we form our behaviors. And that many of them do not come from the golden rule or how we fundamentally believe. They are responses and reactions to the domestication process and the rules and the norms that are taught to us that create a cognitive dissonance because they disagree with what we fundamentally believe in. I'm getting closer. I know that's a lot, and I know that's a little wishy-washy, and it's a little confusing. And a couple, but a couple more things I, I want to consider or, or mention in this process of of creating the multiple personalities. You know, so so enough things happen to us, and we have they say you know eight to twenty of these little parts that represent things that have happened to us that were massively dissonant, that massively disagreed, or scared us, or, or knocked us you know uh, outside and blindsided us from our belief in who we are and our behavior was good and fine and well, and somebody has said, no, it's not. And that you know creates these things until we make these protective characters that help us modify our behavior when we're out in the world outside of our safety. And if you think about that, that whole process is, is creating an us versus them. And, and again, again there is, therein lies the our versus should problem. But it's... It's like I mentioned before, the yo so yo ime circumstantia. It's you, you're born, and then you're modified by your environment. And these modifications have long-lasting effects of modifying your personality by creating new parts of you 
that are designed to protect you in certain instances in your life. And, the, and these things become more and more solidified and bigger and bigger and more and more important the more frequently these things happen to you in your life. You know, me, I'm a, per, a perfect example of being continually told that the behavior that I'm exhibiting, that I'm enjoying the most, you know, singing, breakdancing, BMX freestyle, wearing funky skateboarder surfer clothes, skateboarding, uh, playing bluegrass music, all of these things that I'm into, I've been ridiculed for. And so time after time, I've been told, no, you're not right. No, the way that you are is wrong. You are not good enough. And so I carry around a big part of me that's, that tells me constantly, don't forget, you're not good enough. You've got to show the world, you know, you've got to be a high achiever. You've got to do whatever to compensate for these shortcomings that the world has told you it, it, there, there's something wrong with you. And so you've got to wear a different mask in all these different environment. I mean, it's an authenticity problem. It's a failed failure problem. It's a I'm not good enough problem. It's an I'm an outcast problem. It's us versus them. And so I carry around this with me every day as a result of repeated <laughs> occurrences of this in my life. It's become a significant part. It's one of, uh, I guess you would call it like a neurosis or a, a, a psychological problem that I have to deal with. Um, so hopefully that helps illustrate the issue. And one thing I want to mention again is that it, it, it becomes really like a game of rock, paper, scissors, where scissors or paper covers rock. I look at it like this. And the shoulds always cover the R's. So when you're, for, for whatever reason, when we're in this influential growth development state from, especially from like zero to five, but probably more, you know, zero to 15, zero to 18, 20 even, and, and certainly into adulthood, we are vulnerable, and we are most vulnerable when we're expressing our R. You know, and, and, and R is a is a very exposed rock that every should piece of paper can easily cover up and take advantage of. And so, the deck is stacked. Not to use another <laughs> analogy, the deck is stacked against you when um, the shoulds are so strong because they're coming from influential sources that mean a lot, that carry a lot of value, that hurt a lot, that you believe in. And so this whole process, for many different reasons, can, can, can interact or cooperate to solidify these defense mechanisms, which become multiple parts of your personality. And every one of these parts sort of fundamentally disagrees with your R for ob hopefully what's obvious reasons, because... It's asking you to behave in a way that's contradictory to what you believe in, but you know that it's going to protect you in the world, and so you do it. And then you have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of these things, and then you need something to regulate them. And then your your personality, your life, your ego, yourself, whatever you want to call it, your inner your person becomes overly complicated. It creates a whole lot of confusion, a whole lot of noise. Nobody's going to argue that managing. 10 to 20 individual personalities is going to be easier than just focusing on the one you. And that to me is enough evidence to suggest, what if we just trashed all those other, or, you know, put it all on the table, looked at it, examined it, looked at the hard and soft realities, you know, figured out who the should were, figured out the source of our problems. What are we scared of? And then looked at all this stuff and then tried to say, well, I don't think I need this. I'm going to, be you know strong, and I'm going to do, you know do, deal with this. And, and partially, that's what Richard Schwartz 
in his, his therapeutic works and in internal family systems, I think that's what it's called, deals with dealing with all these parts and helping them become comfortable so that they can relax and they don't influence your life as much. They don't constantly look to defend you. The point being, this, I think, is the the kind of suffering the Buddhists are talking about. It's many instances of, um, of biblical stories in, in different types of religions. You know, the, the, the struggle, the human condition, has a lot to do with the R versus should dilemma, and that you have many shoulds that you carry around that have been taught to you, not necessarily intentionally, and, and the, not with the the intended outcome of you being anxious or depressed or suffering or angry or something like that. But I think if we can use this model of looking at a, a human being as having multiple personalities that needed to be dealt with, rather than one confused or bifurcated or broken whole that needs to be pieced back together, just simply looking at us in, in a different way and considering the different needs and, and reasons and fears and and victories and failures and things uh, uh, in this way, for me anyway, have been exceptionally helpful. And as we progress further along with the R versus should problem, it's going to be helpful, I think, to consider these multiple personalities. And just for a minute, uh, I, I do, well, one more thing I'll mention is that many of these parts are uh, what um, Carl Jung and other people and um, Gary Van Warmerdam, who I've mentioned before, and some of the other Toltec thinkers describe as being characters. And some of these characters are archetypes. So you've got things like the bully, the victim, the judge, the hero, the princess. You know, many of us, it's its not infinite. Many of us will have the same eight or nine characters, right? We'll all have the judge who beats us up and tells us we're not good enough. And we'll have the victim that says it's not our fault, but the world's out to get us. We you know we'll have the, the entitled princess that believes the world should bend over backwards to, to, to solve all of our problems. We all suffer from all these things. And, and, and the only reason I want to say that is because... We aren't different in this. We're all very similar and so similar to the point that we all have a lot of the same parts that that have the same solutions, you know, that we can commiserate and share. And and, and last uh, thing I want to say is, well, for, well, two more things. One is that I am convinced that this multiple personalities situation creates cognitive dissonance, which leads to drama and confusion as a human being. It makes it difficult to live our life. And that one of the elements, one of the, and again, we're working through this in real time. One of the solution horizons, if you will, that I see, or one way to sort of address this, or one of the potential explanations has to do with communication and understanding. And I alluded to it when I was using the unicorn example with the boy. If he could have just talked to his father and understood what his father meant, and if they could have made each other understand where they were, then the problem would have been a different problem, to say the least. And it might have been something that we could solve. And so coupled somewhere inherent in the R versus should problem, this may be a future episode, is our inability to effectively communicate in a, in a reasonable time frame in the moment. Instead, what happens is 
and, and Paul Godola talks about this in, in sending the message. You know, the, the message is not received in the way that it was intended. And so there's a, it's like, it's like the game of telephone, <laughs> you know, the boy with playing with the dolls and the unicorns heard his father say something that was different from what his father said. And so that, and then there was no follow up and no clarification, no explanation. And so both parties went away wrong. <laughs> and unfortunately, my point with domestication and in, in this episode is that the results of these imperfect exchanges, especially during the domestication process, but on a day-to-day basis with full-grown adults, is that are, are, are long-lasting and can be pretty severe. And, and, it, and I'll close with just you know, saying how absurd that saying that we heard uh, almost like a nursery rhyme when we were kids that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words would never hurt me. And I'm not the first person to say this, but I would much rather get hit with bat uh, and, or experience temporary pain from a non-life-threatening injury than to be influenced by words, especially the way that we can internalize our own meanings about what these words are related to the confusion and uh, problems with communication with people. So hopefully that's not too confusing. And I think I got, I got, uh, I made some progress towards the next episode. Um, that's been a delve into the idea that human beings are comprised of parts, characters, and archetypes that could be thought of as being multiple personalities that result from us trying to resolve conflict between the R's and the shoulds. I'm Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, episode 57, Multiple Personalities. I'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.